Welcome back, Seahawks fans, to the newest episode of the Seahawks Nest Podcast. I'm your host, Nathan Sano, joined, as always, by the Linus. To my Charlie Brown, it's Kevin Garber. Kevin, how are you doing? I'm uh, feeling very secure, very uh, very knowledgeable on things, um, very capable of giving device, uh, advice and support. Very holy. And a very, our very own Snoopy. It's Eric Ronnebeck. Eric, how you doing, buddy? Oh, man, I thought you were going to go back to the, the old days and call me, you know, uh, Lucy or Peppermint Patty or... The, uh, the one with the glasses who says sir all the time. So <laughs> I'm feeling real <laughs> out of our way. <laughs> the one with the glasses who says sir all the time. <laughs> What's her name? I can't remember. You know, the uh, Peppermint Patty's best friend. Um, yeah. Good luck. I'm the Peanuts uh, master too. Oh, well. Okay. So the Peanuts master. The Peanuts. Like, I'm just like Peanuts master. Never mind. On to the football. It's Marcy. That's, that that's perilously close to some another kind of oh, never mind whatever. Uh, so this is a family show. Family show. Seahawks last week get a twenty. This to show 15, has a family. Twenty to fifteen victory over the Washington Football Team. It was the uh, same kind of ugly win we all expected. Looked looked really good it until was. the fourth quarter, where the Seahawks just got hammered for two touchdowns and made us all sweat. And, uh, you know, just, just, yeah, exactly what Kevin said, just, you know, exactly how you feel at the end of a Seahawks game where, uh, in the last drive too, I mean, they, they were moving a little bit, right? They had, I mean, they got a pretty big assist on that fan of penalty on KJ, right? The 15 yard penalty, really bad penalty call, but they had moved 49 yards down the field, starting on their own 14 and they, uh, they moved the ball up. And I think what they were on the 37. And then they, uh, yeah, they turned it over on downs. And I think the Seahawks were uh, both fortunate and unfortunate in this game. We'll get yep. into that a little bit. But uh, but I want to talk about a bigger thing, which is what Pete Carroll said in his post-game press conference. Um, he said that this was close to the score they expected, exactly what they wanted to happen, and exactly how he saw the game going. <laughs> and I just want you to... I mean, you can react to the, the individual statements, the the statements as a whole. Maybe I, I need to take a break for a second, though, after repeating it, because I think my, I need to like hit my head against the wall a couple of times. So, uh, Eric, why don't you start us off? How do, the, how do those statements make you feel? So I immediately laughed when you said them because <laughs> Pete's going to Pete, okay? I got a I, – reason kicked in when I heard that, though. I bet you he said that to the team. Because we know Pete Carroll is a player's coach, and the players love him. They respect him. That means if he said that, and he didn't, you know, he says that in the, in the post-game press conference and didn't actually say it, I feel like that would kind of have the respect of the players diminish a little bit. So, yeah, I think it's stupid enough that Pete probably said, guys, we're in for a battle, you know. It's going to be something like a, you know, it's going to be a one score game. It's going to be real close. Just get ready for that, guys. You know, championship mentality. Let's go. And then, you know, Russ, you know, clicked on his robot mode and, and did the rest. But yeah, how do I feel about that? It's vintage Pete. Do I believe he really said that? Uh, I believe that way more than Kristen Michael was the number one player on their draft board. That, <laughs> that's that's the one that I'm always like, have you, that, have you seen the day that happens? Have you seen Christian Michael's spark score though? Like his spark score was just. <laughs> I love how salty that comment is. Yeah. Uh, allow me to take this quick detour to take a dump on this but, running back we hey drafted man, five years ago. There's one thing I'm always going to do. I'm always going to give you the Seahawk history and the emotion. And uh, I'm not forgetting that. That's for hot, sure. Hot take. Christian Michael like wasn't that bad, uh, but like he was not good. Maybe his work ethic wasn't as what it needed to be. I don't know. I think he was just like he was an athlete and not like a real NFL running back. And like yeah, that's fine. You he w- you can use that guy as your change of pace back. I think that that's fine. I think that's he also role. couldn't hold on to the football. Yes, oh, too way, way, way too. How many fumbles did he have? I think like four, too many. five. But like that, he only he had a bunch that weren't lost too. That I think that's what drove me <clears> nuts. All right, uh, Kevin, when you hear Pete saying stuff like that, like this is exactly how we wanted the game to go. This is exactly how we thought the game would go. What do you what do you think? OK, as somebody who uh, isn't an old school announcer, but plays one on podcasts once a week, um, this was like a very uh, this is Pete saying a smart thing in a dumb way, in my opinion. This is one of those like what he probably said is. You know, we got We're facing a good defense. 
So we know it's going to be a pretty close game, and they're going to try and kill the clock on us. Because that's what Washington did. They wanted to eat the clock, they wanted to limit Seattle possessions, and they wanted to let their defense kind of dictate the game. So that would lead to the results that Pete said, but Pete just cut to the really dumb results part <laughs> and didn't like explain the part that actually expresses how intelligent of a football mind he has. And so it's really frustrating to listen to that. It's it's like it's like the joke that we have about you know, something's 50 50 because either it'll happen or it won't. Like, we all know that's not how that works, but it's kind of how it feels like it works, which is why we say it that way. I, I feel like that's just Pete doing that to us. Fair. We're getting fair. trolled, is what I'm really trying to say. Pete's trolling. <laughs> for me, for me, like, I really do think he believes that. Like, I really think he believes that, like, this was a good game because they ended up winning. And at the end of the day, that's all he cares about. The thing is, is that. Um, I don't like that results oriented mindset. And I said earlier in this year, like this, the thing I don't like about Pete is sometimes he seems so process oriented, which I like. And then sometimes he seems so result oriented and I want him to pick a lane, like, cause I want to know how much to hate him. <laughs> it well, makes it, it, it makes it around much. It makes it really hard for me when he, I don't understand where I don't understand what his core philosophy is when it comes to that. And so, so for me, like, like, let's be honest. At the end of the day, like you want, if you look at the process of this team and what happened in this game, it was bad. We we took we had a football team that we clearly outclassed, uh, and we let them hang around the whole. Not game a football no, team, Nathan. The, football, the team. football team, and we let them hang around all game. Our second half drives: four plays, three plays, three plays, six plays, three plays, three plays. That is pathetic. They came out of halftime. In a first half where they were moderately successful on offense, right? Would you agree with that? And they yeah. they, they could not put string a lo- one <clears throat> single long drive together. They were bailed out by a fifty yard touchdown run for by uh, by Carlos Hyde. And so for me, like I don't know, I don't like it. I don't like it one bit. And I think this is the kind of team that should be able to put together long drives over and over again, right? Or get a long drive when they need it to put the game away. And instead, we did. We're not able to put a long drive together and put the game away. Um, our only, we seemed like at the beginning of the fourth quarter, we were going to put a long drive together and then rest through a pick. I about and, to say, let, let me let me push back on you a little bit. That was five second half drives, right? Six. Six. One of them was the kneel down. One of them was the sure. hide run, and one of them was the uh, fluky interception. And I would call and, and Russ scrambling, and the tip was a fluky interception. And the three of them were three and outs. Yeah. I agree that I agree that having three three and outs is not great, but I feel like having saying it's six short drives kind of obscures part of the story. Sure, you you think that the offense played good in the second half? That's what you're saying. I think the offense played better than not scoring in the second half. You know what I mean? Like besides the high they, touchdown, they had like 120 total yards. They were. Running a lot, they were moving at a good clip on the interception drive, and then the kneel down doesn't count as a drive. They had five, five second half first downs. I mean, I don't know. I, I just I can't. I'm I cannot. I cannot, I cannot spin this posit- the second half the way the offense looked in the second half positively. I think it's super unfair to say like, oh yeah, well that drive was going until they threw an interception. The mistakes are what's killing this team this season. Russell Wilson is making way too many mistakes. And if you're going to play this conservative right brand of football and a defensive lineman batting the ball into the air, I feel like that, I feel like you can say that's a fluke and it's not disingenuous. Okay. But I mean, how many times before it's a, before it's a pattern because he has like a lot of interceptions this year. I don't know if it's first in the league, but it's gotta be up there. He's still, what at 13, 14. I, I'd have to look it up, which, which I'm not prepared to, to give me just a second. That, I have but, but like it's a lot. And, comparative to uh, everyone else like you know 13 right it's it's just i don't think that they need to find ways to mistakes and taking risks running a bootleg and then throwing it anyway he needs to throw out of bounds more like he needs to adopt some of that aaron Rodgers like coward ethos i'm not (laughs) i'm not saying that like that's but like aaron Rodgers doesn't throw picks because he just lost your second right he's the he's second in the league in interceptions it's bad like it's we need to take care of the football. That's what's going to doom this team. If they're going to play and that's if they're going to play this conservative brand of football, right? I'm not saying you can throw some picks if you're aggressive 
And at the beginning of the season, we saw that we were aggressive. We scored a lot of points. If we go back to that, maybe they're maybe they're hip pocketing that and saving it for the playoffs. I don't know. But if you stay aggressive, you can get away with it a little bit. Right now, I don't feel like the way we're playing football, we can really get away with very many mistakes, especially against the quality of teams that we're going to meet in the playoffs, which are going to be better than Washington football team. Uh, I don't think the defenses will, though. It won't be a lot, but some of them will be better, right? Like, isn't there? Is there any they'll defense? They'll be on par. Better? I don't know if they'll be like super, you know, a super vast improvement. The but... Rams. The Rams are, are really good defense. The Rams have uh, more pass rushers outside and that's of we're the, playing the two this big week. ones they gave Un- us, and their their offense is definitely going to kill us. Unfortunate. Yeah, looks like the these are the these are. You say it's unfortunate. Saints but... are second in defensive DVOA. The Rams are fourth. Washington's third. Tampa Bay's fifth. So we're, right. Chicago's seventh. We're very likely to face defenses of this caliber. Yes, with better oh, offenses. Better. With be, that have good offenses too. Yeah, right. Exactly. That don't start Dwayne Haskins at quarterback. Uh, I don't know. It's worrying. I'm worried. I like. I think Can I'm. Can we start calling Dwayne Haskins the Godfather? <laughs> I want to call him Dwayne the Rock Haskins just because it's funny. It, uh, Dwayne the Rock two, Haskins. Two wrestling references. Uh, I hey, we had a whole train. now I'm not saying like this. This team. The thing that bugs me the most is that this team has the <laughs> talent level to win the Super Bowl. The thing that makes me see- the happiest about that video though is that they were all wearing his jersey. Oh God! We need to. Yeah, I mean, he Dwayne, Dwayne Haskins maskless stripper party after a five point loss in which he didn't even really play very good. He attempted like fifty passes and had like a four yards per attempt or something. Hey man, his last quarter of play was was stripper worthy. I'll say that. Yeah. Okay. String four hey, quarters together, a, buddy. He put in a he put in a real Mullins at the end there. A real Mullins at the end. All right. Uh, let's go. Let's go over some offensive notes. Uh, starting with uh, Russell Wilson. Okay. What'd you What'd you think about Russell's performance in this game? I thought Russell was asked to not do a ton. Um, in this game, I felt like uh, the plan was to kind of take a lot of the underneath stuff. Um, we faced a too high safety scheme that is. Like it was a very similar defensive scheme to what the Giants uh, employed against us. I think it was a lot like what the Rams are going to want to do. And Why? I feel like it's just driving me nuts, Kevin. You're bringing up something that's driving me nuts. Why are these two high safety schemes just like taking away Russell Wilson so much? Why why can we not find a way to beat these two high safety schemes? Well, and I feel like we did find a way to do it because we attacked it uh, in the short and intermediate, especially. Like if you take a look. Um, he has, he had no deep completions, but one of those was, uh, a DPI call. And then if Swain could get his feet in, that was another deep completion that should have been. We only had two completions of over 10 yards in this game. Yeah. Like, and we beat him up underneath. I wouldn't say we beat him up. We scored 20 points. You're <laughs> like we're 10 for 16 passing and zero to 10 yards. Like, like the passing game was working underneath is what I'm saying. That's yeah, all right. Like I mean, this was like, it was, it was a, it was a Saints thing. 10, they just... 10 for 16 is like, it's fine. It, I mean, those short passes are like hundred percenters though. Like, and well, he what? was hundred percent of the like line of scrimmage passes. And like the, for those zero to 10 yard passes, like the NFL rating on those was like 80. It wasn't, I don't know. It, I'm, it was fine. Russell Wilson was fine in this game. I think that the game plan was the problem, not his play. Does that make sense? I I think they can scheme better to make more things happen against against a defense like this. This offense is too good for us to come out with this vanilla game plan and just like only try to score twenty points. Like I think that that game plan was embarrassing. I'm embar- I was embarrassed for for this offense. And I okay, think Russell Wilson is capable of so much more than what we put on his plate there. And our offensive line has played good all season, and we played like like we were so scared of Chase Young by running all these like zero to ten yard passes, and it's like that's because we were running Cedric Ogbui at right tackle. Like we had to we had to go around that. He was fine though, like take, because of the scheme we did. I think he would have been fine even if we we didn't. You can scheme around that. The rest of the offensive line is really good. I don't think that it that it was it's that dire. Cedric Ogbui is not that dire that that you need to only throw under 10 yard passes. I think Kevin's accurate though, because if you look at what we have on the offensive line, 
what the Washington football team threw at us. Not only Chase Young, but Montez Sweat and Darren Payne. Uh, with couple all this with what Pete Carroll said he anticipated this game to be. Pete wanted to control the ball. He wanted to control the clock. He wanted to run this a lot. You saw you saw tons of runs from the Seattle Seahawks. It looked like an old offensive game plan. You can look at it in the stats with how many passing yards we had to run. Uh, this is what they wanted. And yeah, I think it wasn't a thing about trusting Russ. I think the point was that we didn't we didn't give Russ the best opportunity to be Russ. So we altered the game plan around that. I'm not saying it's good. I'm just saying this is a reality of what happened. And I'm saying I, I feel like, you know, and I understand what it sounds like, and it might sound like I'm making excuses, and that's fine. But I feel like you're looking at if it was a score instead of an interception on that drive, and I consider that a fluke interception, then you're looking at, what, 23-9, 27-9? And there'd be no question about if, what the offense If Carlos Hyde doesn't flukily run a 50-yard touchdown, this team runs 22 yards, three and a half yards, 22 carries for three and a half yards a carry and looks like trash on offense. Like you can go the other way with that. Big plays are big plays. Like you got one on the other side too. You got an explosive play. We got that one back. So like leaning on that interception and saying like, oh, a fluky interception caused a fluky 50 yard run also caused us to win. Like it, it works both ways that, 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 that knife cuts both ways. And like, I would like I, to say my favorite part about the hide run was that Hollister almost outran him. Dude, do you guys see that? <laughs> do you want to hear? Do you want to hear an insane Hollister stat? Sure. Okay, Hall, Jacob or uh, not Hollister? Sorry, Carlos Hyde. Car- Carlos uh, Hyde this year, he uh, of all of all rushers who have sixty four or more rushes. That's how I limited it, because um, that's twenty percent of the most. So Hyde's on that list. He he is first in the league in percentage of runnings come coming percentage of rush yards coming from runs of fifteen yards or more. Forty eight point six of his yards percent of his yards come from over 15 yard runs second is nick chubb third is Jarek mckinnon uh he gets an ins- almost half of his yards have come on big plays this year kind of weird just kind Hyde's of a really weird... unstable which is why yeah. it was harder to run an offense around which is, him which is than carson which is why they only handed them the ball twice in this game like i yep. think that i think that generally they're going to try to phase him out of the offense and uh that's fine that's good good probably good uh good coaching good call yeah, That's his carry is going to Penny is the right move. He's also um, the he's the guy who can run in if we lose Carson. That's as high, as difficult as Hyde might be to game scheme around. Oh man, I wish we could have had him last year. I I'm not trying to be like I I know that I'm probably coming off like really harsh right now, but I think like if this is the game plan we come into a playoff game with, then we're looking at another like Seahawks second round exit from the playoffs. Like they need to be more aggressive like we saw at the beginning of the year. I want to see that level of aggression and like forward thinking that we saw from this team early in the year. I don't want to scale it back because we're scared now because Russ got some picks. Like it's it's okay. Chuck it, chuck it around the ball field a little bit. That's kind of where I'm at. This we know this offense can be dynamic and great, right? Would you agree with that? We've seen it yeah. on the field this year. Yeah. And so I want to, so we, I think that we want to, I want to see that. And this week is a nice playoff preview, right? This game should have playoff level of intensity and atmosphere. And so if they come out and they run 25 times and don't throw any passes of more than 10 yards again, then I'm going to start to get very worried because this, this is a game they should be trying to win as if it were a playoff game because it it's very important in terms of our seating and our position in the, in the kind of hierarchy of the NFC. Comparative to this game, which I mean, honestly, uh, I don't know. Like, if we beat WFT or lose, uh, we still kind of could claw back with a win over the Rams, right? So, um, this next game is huge, and I want to see us bring that level of intensity and like offensive firepower back. And so, my counter is what happened was we hit a spot in the season where Russ was cooking and teams started running a too high safety concept designed to take passes over 15 yards away. It was get pressure on Russ, run too high safety, and uh, basically stop the deep passing game at all costs. And our offense struggled. That was when Russ started turning the ball over a lot. It was ugly. And so what I wanted to see was if a team was going to run that type of scheme, could we pivot back to the previous style of offense where it's predicated on okay, you're going to have two safeties out of the box that we're going to pound you in the mouth. And then 
when we pound you in the mouth and it loosens you up, then we're going to go ahead and take a shot. And so we might only take three to five shots in a game. Now, in this game, that we took about half of that. And so that was a problem. There, but, are route, there are lots of route combinations that should be in the Seahawks playbook, though, that can beat cover two that that involve passes of more than eight, six yards. Like, you don't have to just run like, you know, cr- like five, eight yard crossers. You know what I mean? You can run you can run out. You can run over the middle, which is like a thing that I really want to see this team start to do. Running tight ends up the seams, running. Uh, and we saw this in the past when teams would play cover two against us. You, you, we've all remember Jerome Kirsch running, running up the seam catching yeah. long passes like those I are remember that was uh graham a lot of graham's productivity was on yeah, and, and, and like they need to like bring that layer back and i don't know if like they just like i said they might be hip pocketing it and i i don't i wouldn't blame them for that because i think keeping something secret there's but value in that blame them for that but i but it make it makes for watching an incredibly frustrating brand of football <laughs> does that make and sense what I'm yeah it does. From, our, from our offense what i want to see is if they're trying to take those things away can we pivot to a style of offense that beats it and then when they go oh crap we need to load up the box do we flip the switch back to oh let's air it out to dk and tyler because now you guys are loading up the box and i want to see that we can do both in the same game so i like that we're doing the one and the other but i want to see a toggle switch and that's what i'm not seeing and i mean there's a hunt there's a honey hole in a cover two defense 15 yards down the field and on the on the sideline right i think everyone who watches a lot of football knows this and so like you you we don't see that we see russ try that every once in a while but you got we got to like attack that to those corner routes and make sure that they respect that as an option for us so that we can maybe open up those seams. And well, and you just nailed the other part of it though. The fact that we don't attack the seam is part of why the sidelines are covered better because they don't respect the seam pass. Right. Which is why you can, which is why you can, you can totally uh, cheat on the honey hole if you, if you do that. So I, I think the offense needs to like really take a look at the route combinations they're running and think about like, how do we attack too high? Because it is, you're right, Kevin. And you said at the beginning, they played a lot of too high and it seemed that's that for whatever reason, that seems to really be messing us up right now. And it shouldn't. This Russ is, Russ is good enough. These wide receivers are good enough. Hell, these tight ends are good enough. Jacob Hollister is a really good receiving tight end. Will Disley is a very good receiving tight end. Okay. They should be able to to figure this out. And, well, um, we kept Disley in to be like our, the second half of our right tackle. Right. A lot. It was a little buoy insurance for sure. Yep. Uh, they worked together really well, though. I thought yes. that 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 the offensive line looked pretty good, which is why I'm mad we didn't like. Like when I watched it back, you know, I'm watching like how did we handle these guys, Chase Young, these guys that are really really good, and I thought I thought they did a pretty damn good job, and so I wanted. That's why I kind of was looking for a little bit more in terms of. Um, but again, to me, like the Swain shot, that was that's one thing where like if that was to Tyler instead of Swain, he drags that other foot. And that's a 20 plus yard completion that's a touchdown. Instead, it's a no play because of the offsides penalty. Mm-hmm. And then there was a DPI to DK on the other sideline that was in that 15 yards against a cover two that you were talking about. Mm-hmm. And that was another one where it doesn't show up in the playbook as a deep shot or uh, in the statute as a deep shot because it's negated by a penalty, but it was a deep shot. So I feel like there were some deep shots, but. I also would agree that uh, the twenty on uh, twenty seven attempts, I would like to have seen at least a few more in that ten to twenty range for sure. Like yeah. it was, it was weird to be shied away from that too much. Yeah, it's like it's like you gotta attack those those uh, those cover those cover two uh, opportunities like that. And so, okay, let's get to the defense because the defense was awesome, and I want to talk. I want to be happy now. Uh, so, first, <laughs> DJ Reed. We kind of talked up DJ Reed as like, uh, um, like, oh yeah, this guy's the new. Uh, Akeem King, right? He could play nickel corner, he could play outside corner, and he's pretty good at both. In this game, he looked better than Akeem King ever did. They attacked DJ Reed. They said, oh, this is a backup outside corner. We're going to go after him. They targeted him 10 times. He only gave up four receptions for a grand total of 15 yards, an interception and two pass breakups. Like This guy was on top of it in this game. DJ Reed was the king. And to be honest with you, like that you cannot ask for more from a backup cornerback performance than that. He might have made it so that when even if Flowers is fully healthy, DJ reads the guy until. Let's put an until, exclamation point on what you just said. 
he allowed four catches and he himself got his hand on three passes. Yep. That's good. 8.3 NFL rating when targeting DJ Reed Jr. Uh, They targeted Shaquille four times and they 16.7 rating on those passes. The outside corners were cooking in this game. And what, what we've seen is, is that this defense is starting to click in the back seven. We, we thought that this back seven and this, of this team was extremely talented when the season started, right? We're like, okay, we got Quandre, we got Jamal, we got Shaquille. Like these are good football players, Bobby, KJ. They, when they, they will work. They needed time to learn how to communicate with each other. And we make fun of that accountability meeting. But something about that worked because these guys started communicating and doing their jobs together better, which is really important in the concepts that the Seahawks like to run. And so since that accountability meeting, boy, Quandre Diggs has been really freaking good. Like he is playing so good. They dropped back to pass like 60 something times in this game, Uh, an absurd amount of dropbacks in this game. And Quandre Diggs uh, was on the field for all of them. 62. I just looked 62 times. He dropped back to cover, man. They played whom he has looked really, really good holding the back end of the defense together. He knows what all these guys are going to do now. He's it's like mind meld out there. That guy has been on point. I think at the beginning of the season, we, we would say like when I'm watching the film, I'd say like he has, he's not reacting fast enough, but I think it's more that he didn't know what the other people were going to do. So he didn't know what he should be reacting strongest to. Does that make sense? And then, so now he's, it's all clicking. And man, they they look so good in this game, uh, this defense. And even in the second half, where football team started to move the ball a little bit, I still thought the defense was playing pretty good. It was a, a lot of um, fortunate breaks for football team to 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 move to move down the field. There was the the first drive was it got ahead of fifteen yard penalty and at that ninety six yard drive, uh, and the last drive, like Kevin said, that that really bad KJ call that kept the drive alive. Yeah, but so, there's also teams are going to get a little more riskier as they get desperate to win. Uh, relying purely on your secondary is that's dangerous, but we talked about this for weeks. Like we expected this group to get better and better as the season started to close. We had two games left and they're starting to do that. Our pass rush is coming along very nicely. Yeah. Dun- Dunlap was obviously on a pitch count. Would you agree with that, Eric? <laughs> yeah, but, but man, having him have gas for the last couple plays of the game. Whoo. I'll keep him on pitch count. It's fine. Yeah. Uh, they they brought him in as the closer at the end of, at the end of the game. Yeah. It's like Randy Johnson uh, coming in as a closer. It felt really good. It was fine though. It 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 I I saw his absence, but I wasn't too worried okay. about it. I I this the, now Carlos Dunlap has to do with my favorite play from this game. You ready? Yes. Uh, we're deep in the game because Carlos Dunlap played mostly at the end of the game. Mm-hmm. Uh, Carlos Dunlap is out in the. He's kind of out standing up, and uh, he's in the slot. Terry McLaurin's in the slot. Carlos Dunlap lines up over top of Terry McLaurin <laughs> and bumps him off the line and totally knocks him off his route and takes him That's out of the play. Bump. It was the best, my easily my favorite play again because he's just like out there like, yeah, I'm going to cover this guy. It's like freaking Terry McLaurin, you know? <laughs> like if he gets a clean release here, he's gone. Yeah. He's gone, gone. But but uh, they <laughs> not messing around. Carlos Dunlap, baby, like – he pressed him. He was like, "No, no, sir, not today." That's a back scary pocket Terry play, right? Scared Terry. Terry. I, I I love it. Uh, yeah. They, Real quick, before we get too far into the D line, um, I just want to bring up something to uh, kind of underline what you were saying, Nathan. Uh, Bill Connolly, who works for ESPN now, but he's kind of worked for a few different places over the years. Uh, big time uh, college football analyst, uh, really good numbers guy, and looking into college football. Uh, and trying to figure out a predictive model for what's going to tell you how successful a team will be the next year. Something, the two position groups that benefit the most from continuity were offensive line and defensive backs. And it's the same thing with both. If you have continuity on offensive line or defensive backfield, those are the two position groups that require the most knowing what the other person is doing. And so having these players play together just even a few games, because we're talking about professionals here, and some of them have played together before, makes a really big difference because they can predict, they can communicate. I mean, Eric, you know, uh, we heard in uh, Legion of Boom talking forever about watching tape together and knowing what the other players are doing, right? Yeah, that's all they would do is, and it seems like this group is doing that, like a a group that watches tape together stays and plays well together. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, I think it, this is a a special group of defensive players. And like, I think some people uh, on football Twitter that don't watch a lot of Seahawks were like, Quandre Diggs, uh, Pro Bowl? Are you joking me? This is one of the worst secondaries in the league. Well, first of all, it has not been one of the worst secondaries in the league in a while. And Quandre Diggs is a big reason why this defense has been able to turn it around. Like yeah. maybe other than Jamal Adams and Carlos Dunlap, it's it's those three guys. Those three guys are the biggest together, the biggest reasons why this defense is really kind of gelled and come together. And I mean, those, the thing is, is that like Adams was hurt, you know, and, and there, they t- it took time. And then the, the cornerbacks were shuffling because they were all injured. Right. It's just been, just took time. It took time for everything to come together, but now, oh boy, it is coming together. Uh, we have found a diamond in the rough with Alton Robinson, Kevin, have we not? Oh man. A Rob, that dude is, that dude's legit. Like you don't get a lot of great middle round pass rushers. I think both you and I were pretty excited about him because his junior year video at Syracuse was one of those guys where you're like, oh, this guy looks like maybe a second or third round pass rusher. And then his senior year video was a big step back. Explosive. He was he was an explosive football player. And then you think about like the thing the Seahawks like, you know, and it's the same. We just talked about Christian Michael earlier with his spark score, right? They like <laughs> athletes. And this guy ticks all the athlete boxes, right? He's a long strider. He's explosive. He's got long arms. He's got prototypical size. He needs to bulk up a little bit, but most college kids that in his position do. He had these, he actually had decent run moves and was a decent run defender. The problem was that like really good offensive linemen would just completely neutralize him. And so like when you'd watch his tape against a a good team, a good opposing team, you'd be like, "Uh uh-oh. Like this, is this what he is at the next level? Like, did you just get overwhelmed by better talent? And we're seeing right now at the Seahawks that I think we might've unearthed another, like Frank Clark level guy got underdrafted kind of thing with Alton Robinson. Like wow. this, two years from now, we might be thinking Alton Robinson, like eight and a half, nine sacks a season, solid all around defender. It's trending in that direction for me when I watch yeah. him play. He's really good. Uh, Collier in his inside outside role continues to be a productive, solid player. He got a sack and a couple pressures, played pretty well. Yeah, I love the way that Collier has just really uh, embraced the role, right? He's a first round pick. He could totally be full of himself, but he's not. He's embraced the role of like, I'm playing anywhere on this defensive line. I'm filling gaps. I'm making it happen. And I think that that's really good. I mean, 19 pressures on the season. If you'd have told me LJ is going to be on pace for like 25 at the at the end of the year, I would have been like, 100%. That's awesome. That's a really great progression for him in terms of his development because I mean, from what had happened previously in his career, we might he might have been like a lost cause, right? So so it's not it's a nice step in the right direction for LJ. I'm not as excited about him as I'm about Alton, but uh I don't need to be. If he's just Quentin Jefferson for the next two and a half years, that's fine with me. Yeah, we get 25 pressures and five sacks out of him a season. Or, you know, maybe he gets a little better. We start getting like 30-something pressures in between five and seven sacks. That's productive. That, that's, that, a, that's a solid he, rotation guy. He's solid in the run game, too. Like Yes. He, he can play on any down, and that's kind of nice. You know, he's, he's we can move him around a little bit. He, can he play helps our defense be multiple. He's um, been effective this year, which is a lot better than last year. For whatever reason, we don't end up talking about the D-tackles a lot in the show, but Puna Ford's still great. <laughs> uh Jaron Reed, still really good. Jaron Reed went out in coverage in this game again. Did you see that play, Kevin? Yeah. Um, you gotta gotta get Jaron out there covering <laughs> covering the short flats. Uh he gave up the reception on that play. They went, yeah, they went, yeah, he certainly did. They they identified it immediately, and I was uh pretty unhappy about the decision to have Jaron Reed play coverage. Um, but you know, sometimes you gotta get Jaron out there covering the covering the flats, right? Uh Puna's having some really <laughs> solid pass rushing nice. this season. I'm I'm really I'm really happy with Puna's pass rushing development as a three tech. Yeah, Jaron Jaron looks better since especially since Carlos Dunlap got here. Yeah, he's got a partner in crime. I think he's a guy who needs that. Yeah, he's I don't think he can be your best defensive lineman. He's just not that type of player. He's not a you know, I don't know. I want to say I would say Aaron Donald, but that's reaching too far. He's not a Jarrett Great or Grady Jarrett, right? He's not a Javon Hargrave. No. Like he he can put up good stats in a in a great on a good defensive line or even an average one, which, cause this one's pretty average, right? Would you agree with that? Yeah. He's got um, 31 pressures and seven right. sacks. He like, could put up solid. He could put up solid stats on an average defensive line. And I think that that's fine. We just, now we know that we need to surround him with talent. If he's going to be successful, we can't just, uh, it can't be the Jaron Reed show. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I, uh, I don't know. I think the defense played good. I don't really have like a 
a ton of feedback. I'm very ple- pleased overall with the defense. You guys ready to talk Rams? Ram it up. Okay. Well, we played the Rams already once. It was, uh, I think we would Didn't agree. Happen. Very frustrating game. Second half full of lots of, full of unforced errors. Would you agree with that? Like we just, tons of, tons of mistakes killed. We shot ourselves in the foot a million times in the second half of that football game. And uh, our offense was uh, doing funny things like the, uh, our, our defense really tried to claw us back into that game. No joke. Yeah. But, but I mean, yep. rest, rest through two picks. We had a, uh, we had a fumble, uh, Russell, uh, who fumbled Russell Wilson, right? Probably. Yeah. And then, so I just, a, a ton of turnovers just killed, kind of shot ourselves in the foot. Um, we can beat the Rams. The Rams are not that good. We saw, we saw this last week. They lost to the freaking jets, right? We can beat the Rams, but they do have dangerous football players and they do have a few things that we need to look out for. Let's start with shadowing. Okay. Last time the Seahawks played the Rams, Jalen Ramsey shadowed DK Metcalf on 77.1% of DK's routes. He was covered by Jalen Ramsey. Uh, DK was only targeted four times, two receptions, 28 yards. If they choose to shadow again, we need to take advantage of that because shadowing opens up weaknesses other places. There's a reason that teams don't shadow every week unless they're Arizona. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Who shadows Patrick Peterson every freaking week. But but like most teams don't shadow every week. And I'll say this, Patrick Peterson, we make fun of him a little bit because he does get smoked. But what they ask him to do is incredibly difficult, and he does a pretty good job of it. Uh, this season against DK Metcalf, Pat Pete gave up. He was targeted nine times for five receptions, 60, 69 yards. Nice. And a touchdown. That's a solid. Uh, that's a solid output for him, right? Covering DK in two games. Like you got to respect it, even if you know it is fun to make fun of Pat Pete, but because he's not what he used to be, not quite. But shadowing's hard. Shadowing's hard, and it it changes your defense because guys are used to lining up in certain spots and playing their leverages certain ways, and so it puts strain on the defense. We need to take advantage of this of this uh rams if they shadow jalen jalen ramsey on dk metcalf again i want to see the team take advantage um i think uh in the run game we're gonna significantly benefit from having chris carson back uh mm-hmm. that's gonna be a big thing in the previous matchup we had uh this is the alex collins show um 11 attempts for 43 yards he had himself a pretty decent game but we just didn't have a running back that we could lean on. And I think too, Kevin is like Alex Collins was solid in that game. Like I thought that he played as good as we could expect or whatever, but the Rams, their run defense is good. So it's not like we should shove the run down their throat, but you have to make it so that they can't just like drop seven guys back in coverage every single time. You have to force exactly. them to do, to, to do something against the run game because in the way we played, they could just drop cover two every time and not have to worry about Alex Collins beating them. Which and that's a, why we that's why Russ was 0 for 6 on deep shots. Like he was 0 for 6 with a pick when going 20 plus yards downfield. And that submarined our offense in a lot of ways. That's a lot of empty deep shots. Russ's performance in the Washington game was was frustrating, but I think that Russ in the the first Rams game was the worst performance of the season. And it's it's going to I think that Russ comes out looking for revenge. He knows that. Trust me, he circled this date on the calendar and think thought in his head, like, hey, I I can get revenge on the Rams in this game. And I, I expect him to come out with a kind of a vengeance, to come out and really put it on the Rams and try to win. And maybe it's with his legs too. Russ has been running a little bit more lately. I don't know if you've noticed, but he's taking oh, yeah. more of those running up those freebie run plays. And I this is a team where you could totally do that. You could the totally- other thing is that their linebackers are garbage in coverage. And so this could be a really good game to get. Like if we like, I would, I really hope that shell is back. So we feel comfortable not keeping a tight end in because I think our tight ends, especially, but even our running backs can really take advantage of their linebackers in coverage. Yeah. Most, a lot of teams have success against the Rams going against their nickel corner or their coverage uh, linebackers with, with wide receivers actually. So we can, we could definitely look to hope. It would have been a great game to have Josh Gordon back. Let's just say that. Let's just get that out there. This would have been an excellent game to have Josh Gordon back because teams have success with those third receivers running those uh, those inside routes. Fact of the but matter Freddie is... Freddie Swain on drags, stuff like that. Yeah, we, fact of the matter is we're going to have to lean on Freddie Swain and David Moore to be those guys, right, to uh, to find those uh, those gaps in the defense and and make catches. We, those 
those guys drop passes have dropped passes or had like you said kevin the inability to drag feet and it frustrates it frustrates and uh, those guys need to step up and have a good game if this offense is going to look like what we think it could i like to see david moore be that guy david moore has turned into a, a really great surprise this year and this is this is a this is the perfect game for him to go do something memorable as a seahawk as that to needs to happen trip. because he, otherwise we have that late season fade narrative and he's playing right into it. Yeah, I mean, this is a divisional game. Uh, you said Russ may be able to run. He ran for 60 yards the last time these teams played, and that was out of necessity. It'd be nice if he did that out of necessity early as opposed to, oh, I can't, you know, we need chunk yardage and I and I have nothing else. Um, he had less than 250 yards. Take uh, take what the defense is giving him. Right? Yes, that's that's been the theme for like the last few weeks. Got avoids it. the interception. So I'm only I'm just worried. You talk about we can attack their linebackers, we can attack their nickel corner. <laughs> I don't I don't believe Russ is so short he can't see over the offensive line. But I do believe there are times where when he goes for those quick short passes, those are the ones that get batted down. And I feel like that is definitely part of the Rams game plan. Well, a lot some of his interceptions this year have come on hitting guys in the hands, Craig Olson. And oh, yeah. then Having having them get intercepted, so yeah, Chris Carson, Carlos Hyde. There's that. There's that also. That, but you know what? That like I said, like that knife cuts both ways. We've had some amazing big luck on big plays this year, right? Where guys uh, just getting wide open and or breaking big runs. So I you I don't think it'd be really big too in this one. Um, it could be Hollister. It could be Parkinson split out wide and run like a. You know, those uh, three receiver bunch sets, bunch formations, because if we know that uh, Ramsey is going to shadow, we can screw with their coverage. Mm-hmm. Right. Like we have the opportunity to do that. And so playing around with bunch formations, putting linebackers over there, uh, get me, like forcing their linebacker and their corner to go over there and then running a route that gets, you know, if we can get a linebacker where he gets stuck covering Bobby break or uh, sorry, not Bobby Tyler breaking inside or um, something along those lines, or if we get Parkinson on Troy Hill, who is, let me go ahead and confirm this. Um, Troy Hill is five feet 11. Uh, Colby Parkinson. I don't know if you know this or not. He's nine feet tall. Yeah. He's so big. (laughs) I think like when we, when we watched him too, Kevin, I was like, this guy's really big, but weirdly doesn't have like the craziest catch radius, but if it gets close enough to him, he never drops it. He like literally, his hands are made of like glue. It's yeah. <laughs> if you get it, if you get it into him in a good spot, he is going to catch it. And the other thing is, uh, it's he doesn't have like a great catch radius as far as reaching to the side, but like if he's reaching laterally, you just like throw a ball. Like if you basically throw a ball to the top of where his wingspan is, which is going to be a lot higher than other people, it, it's going to be a good completion. Yeah. So, all right, anything else to say about this before we get to the picks? The picks? Uh, yeah, we got Joseph Noteboom in for Whitworth at offensive oh. tackle. Oh, That's no. a big thing. Let's talk about special teams because their special teams is garbage. Yep. That, that is a huge advantage <laughs> we have that could secretly sneak us the game. If this game is close, it could come down to a missed field goal or, or a muffed punt or a bad punt. Uh, those kind of things can really turn the game for us. So I'm, I'm excited. I'm excited about this game. It should be – like I said, this game, I want to see us play like – it's a playoff game. I want to see what the playoff Seahawks look like. And then next week you'll get to hear if I have clinical depression or I'm more excited than it, you can even bear because it's going to, it's going to be one or the other. Like if we play awesome, then I'm going to, I'm going to be the crazy excited next week. If we play like trash, it, I'm going to be so down. I was kind of down this week, but I, but I have hope. Like I, I secretly think that they're just like, my spin on what Pete said, Eric, at the beginning of the house to go full circle. My spin on what he said is that like they intentionally came in with a game plan that they thought could just squeak out a win to get to next week. They don't, they did not want to show anything in this game. Okay. This was like preseason plus football. That's, that's my take on what Pete said. I think that, and that's why I'm so mad. Cause I don't think in the regular season you should play preseason plus football, but you know what? You do you, Pete. Respect, respect. You're you're a pro. You know what you're doing, um, or maybe I don't know. <laughs> no, I mean so. you might be right about that, and that's frustrating. But we we talked about are they are we not using 
receivers tied in up to seam is you know keeping it in our back pocket i think that's just as stupid like are we gonna we're we gonna roll that out in the second round of the playoffs and teams just gonna be like oh well there we go we can't defend that ever well uh, so here's the thing is uh, pete never makes in-game adjustments so maybe he thinks if he saves it like other teams also are like that and he'll be able to just run the same play over and over and get the win yeah <laughs> it's it's uh it's not it's surprising to think that pete will uh will try and t- anticipate something that the other defensive team will do because he can't make an adjustment. Sad, but true. Uh, the other thing to bring up in this is, and I guess I'll just go ahead and make my pick after this. Um, Jared Goff was three for six on passes, 20 plus yards in the first game against us for the season. He's 13 for 42 on 20 plus yard passes. He had <laughs> like that's a that's a ridiculous difference. I would go so far as to say an unsustainable difference. We had no Shaquille Griffin in that game. We had a massively influx defensive backfield, and we also couldn't get any pressure on him uh, for the season. He's been terrible under pressure. He's uh, got a PFF passing grade of thirty five while under pressure. He's throwing. He's completing about forty four percent of his passes for four yards per attempt, four touchdowns, six interceptions. We only were able to pressure him a total of uh, nine times, and he was two for six on those. But like we got nineteen pressures against a good offensive line in Washington. So if we can get nineteen pressures um, against Jared Goff, which is what we've been capable of lately, then we should be able to force him into more mistakes. And for that reason, I think it's going to be a little bit of a flip of the script. I have Seahawks 27 Rams 23. Mm, I, I agree, Kevin. That's the same thing uh, I wrote down. <laughs> so I'll just ditto. I think it's close. This game, these teams are pretty evenly matched. They're uh, sixth and ninth in DVOA, but the numbers are really close. Uh, we've played the bit harder schedule and I don't know. It's it, like I said, it come down, it'll come down to maybe a special teams play or our defense gives up a big play or the turnovers. Like, you know, it's, those are the things that will matter in this game. It will come down to, uh, to toxic differential or, uh, or hidden yards. One of those, those weird things. Cause it's not going to be a blowout. I don't, I just truly believe that. And if it is a blowout, I think we we're the team that's winning, not, yeah. not the Rams. So there you go, hmm. Eric. Uh, I also have it close. 16-14 is what I said on the Picks podcast. I'm sticking with that. I just think it's going to be bizarre, and we have not scored. Uh, we've not been the juggernaut scoring team that I want us to be or that we were earlier in the year uh, for a while now. So I'm I'm just going with something weird like 16-14, 16-13, something like that. All right. If you want to support the Seahawks Nest podcast, there are many ways to do so. The best way to do so, head over to only12s.com. Click anywhere on the screen. It'll take you to our Patreon. Thank you to new Patreons, David, Thomas, John, and older Patreons. Patreons that have been here for a while. That's like, sorry, I needed to open it. And actually, you guys are useful. It's not that you're old. It's that you've been with us for so long. Lucas, Greta. Timothy, Ryan, Cooper, James, Brett, Carrie, Tom, Michael, Brandon, Nick, Thomas, Charles, Sebastian, Foles, E, Elliot, Emmanuel, J, Warwolf, Bob, Richard, Kieran, Mike, Flocktimus, Keith, and Michelle. Also, uh, head into the Discord if you haven't already. There's still a few more uh, holiday season giveaways to come and uh, fun stuff going on on uh, on actual Christmas Day. So, uh, Oh, and also you get to watch the games with us. It's fun. Uh I think we all have a great time in the uh, in the voice chat during the games. Uh, Excellent times. Or if you're uh, if you're like our good buddy and you can't handle the voice chat because it's too stressful, then we have a great time hanging out with you in the chat as well. Yeah. Uh, okay. So let's go ahead and go to our uh, movie club stuff for this week. Uh, movie club is actually going to be television club this week. Uh, we're going to pick out our fave five. Christmas episodes slash Christmas specials. All right. So I'm going to start. Okay. And I need your guys' help with mine. Okay. Okay. Because I want to pick an episode of The Office Christmas episodes, but I'm having trouble deciding which one to pick. I can definitely help with that because I don't believe Kevin knows The Office. Yes. I've never watched it. Okay. So. Uh, Eric, what do you think? What do you think the the best episode of um, the Office Christmas is? Uh, I believe it's kind of cheating. Although if you uh, if you're on Netflix, it's not because it counted as one episode. 
I think it's Benihana Christmas. Uh, I agree. Benihana Christmas is so funny. What, the best. What's the best thing in Benihana Christmas to you? <laughs> Depends on what the mood is to me. Uh, if you're if you're going through a Michael sort of thing, it's when uh, he's when they're at Benihana and he's mm-hmm. getting drunk and he's you slowly don't realize he's getting drunk, but he's feeling better. And like, you know, he's he's starting to feel better and he's like, ah, I just uh, I want I want some I need some meat. I want some steak. And he like leans across three people and steals steak off the guy's plate. And the guy's like, what, what are you doing? He's like, ah, it's family style. And Jim's like, no, my, my favorite part is when Michael draws the mark on the lady's. Yes. Arm so he okay. can tell the difference between the. Between so, so Kevin, uh, this is, this is a deep <laughs> thing in the episode. They're at the Benihana and they're kind of flirting with their waitresses. And there's a time at the end of that where you think that they might put a move on the waitresses. They show at the show up at the office with two completely different women. Like okay. they're already confusing the Asian women. Like they cannot keep them straight. And then as that episode further goes on, he, re- Michael, the main character, Steve Carell realizes that he doesn't know which of the two Asian women is the girl that is quote his. So he puts a mark on her arm. And yes, that is the best part. Okay. Uh, so it's official in the Fave Five, The Office, Season 3, uh, Benny Hanna Christmas. All right, Kevin, what's, what's yours? Okay. So uh, I think that eliminates one from my list because I have quite a few and I have some pivots I was going to do based on what you guys chose. So I'm going to do another live action. I've got a lot of animated, but I'm going live action. Uh, news Radio's Xmas story was on mine. And I'm a big news radio fan. Um, I thought that was really good, but you are, you just covered like office comedy show. No, real quick. So, Kevin, is that the one where, uh, everyone gets a Miata except one person gets, yeah. um, <laughs> taped on the radio uh, show. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Um, and doesn't realize that he was actually gifted the rights to the radio show. That's Andy Dick, right? <laughs> yes. Andy Dick. Okay. So it's, it's good for two reasons. One, because it's a really funny episode and two, because Andy Dick has to feel bad for a long time and Andy Dick's a terrible person. So that just makes it better. Um, so I'm going to go with a different live action show. I'm going to go in the Wayback Machine. And I'm going to go with Twilight Zone's The Night of the Meek. Nice. Which yeah, is a great, great Christmas special um, about a, uh, a wino mall Santa who um, just wishes that uh, that he could bring joy to people's hearts on uh on this night because he's losing faith in the real meaning of christmas and it's one of the few twilight zone episodes where everyone gets to feel good at the end kevin i have to ask you did you have you seen white christmas the black mirror episode i have not with john ham have you seen it eric no i've not Mm. um can i just pick it up and watch it without knowing anything yeah all every white black mirror episode is basically like a like a sync like a short like a short movie okay um, i would say this uh if you like like kind of that uh i like that one uh a lot um but i would say it's uh it doesn't you said it that the twilight zone episode has a happy ending i don't know if this yes. uh, <laughs> i don't know if this goes there not all twilight zones have happy endings so i i like that pick kevin especially it's christmas mm-hmm. so i would recommend that though if you wanted like an offbeat take like kind of like what kevin said all right it's in eric what's your what's your in all right, so this is when you when you brought this up to us, I was like, finally, I get to actually put Good Times Christmas on a list, and that's pretty awesome. <laughs> so there are three Good Times Christmas episodes. There, I'm just going to run through them really quick. I love that you did this. It's uh, Man, I love Christmas specials. It's what I do. It's like so. hanging in a chow line. Yeah. <laughs> good Times. So uh, there's uh, an episode where a family friend, like family friends come over and their daughter, which is basically their cousin, has a huge drinking problem. It's a, <laughs> it's a, it's a. Oh, what a wholesome family time. Well, no, this is the old <laughs> thing that sitcoms used to do. Yes. It was a lesson against why alcohol is bad. And like all of a sudden the kids are throwing out stats like, oh, one in four kids have alcohol problems. You know, things like, you know, that you say randomly and, and naturally when talking to people. The second <laughs> episode is Penny's Christmas where uh, Penny, a young Janet Jackson, uh, is you know in the process of being adopted by Willena, and they go to the mall, and she gets uh, she gets she's a victim of, of a pickpocket who steals her money. Uh, it's not Robert Goulet, but it looks just like Robert Goulet, and so she steals a necklace 
for her foster mom because she doesn't know what else to do. Uh, the, the adoption agency is going to recommend final adoption, but then they find this out. Uh, really the, the star of this episode is, uh, the star of every good times episode, Booger and JJ Walker, uh, Booger comes in and, uh, he, he sees a, a really skinny Christmas tree and he just walks up to it and he goes, hi, JJ. And, and then he's laughs to himself because that's why I love good times. The final episode being, uh, another natural thing. It's when, uh, someone has to work on Christmas Eve. And so they decide to put on a family show at this taxi cab, uh, company and again it's booger dressed as santa just doing ridiculous dances you can find that on youtube for this reason i'm uh, recommending we put penny's christmas good times episode i believe it's season three or four i don't know i was gonna go for i was going for the cab christmas but uh the cab christmas is great only because if you youtube bookman christmas you'll see it and you'll get it and it will make your holiday better (laughs) i used to post it on facebook every year but all right um so I'm going to I'm going to suggest one first just to see if I can get it in but have you guys seen season 1 episode 20 of the uh show Hey Arnold? Oh. Arnold's Christmas that is on. Oh, this is um this is how, like a legitimately this is in. This is in. It's a this legitimately heartfelt like episode of a kids Mr. show Wynn? that I feel like really gets. Yeah, Mr. Wynn, he is like this lonely uh Vietnamese man. so Arnold goes on this like uh quest to get um him reunited with his daughter and, that he uh, let that he had to leave behind or i'm sorry that he that, let her he left himself behind yes yeah, yeah he left himself behind yes um, yeah this has all the feels it's really good and it has all the stuff you expect me to this was on my list this and rugrats the santa experience oh my where I, are the I two gone with uh, rugrats the the chanica one that's the a miracle good one of chanica I, I don't know but that the hair one's better yeah, the Hannah um, one was. I, I want that one. That's great. Okay. Yeah. Sweet. And then, uh, and another, then I have a lot of suggestions in the uh, in the sitcom realm. Uh, Thirty Rock, Ludacris, uh, the Afternoon Delight episode of Arrested Development, which is <laughs> has like one of my favorite it's moments. One of the episodes in, I know, and it's so in, funny. It it has one of my favorite moments in any Christmas episode, which is when Michael's singing Afternoon Delight with Maybe, and then realizes <laughs> like I should not be doing singing yeah. a duet with my with my niece about uh, Afternoon Delight um the community episode that's claymation that's pretty uh, good under uncontrollable christmas i really like um the 30 rock christmas as you you touched on but those were all so good yeah, I like Lud- the last one ludicrousness was my favorite though um but there's no ludicrous isn't in the episode which is a huge letdown um, no but that's what they that's their party they have every year it's where they get crazy and it's called ludicrousness and they I have like know. shirts made up of ludicrousness yeah but Ludacris, if Ludacris would have appeared in the episode, I think it's like a perfect episode of television. That's when, wait, real quick. That's when uh, Kenneth locks him in and tries to teach him the true meaning of Christmas, right? Or is that uh, a different one? Yeah. Yeah. And, he, and then Tracy has like the 30-day alcohol probation <laughs> and he's like, <laughs> yeah, okay. All right. It starts going off and they're like, yeah. Tracy, he's like, I had a drink all the way down. He pulls out his necklace. He goes, this is a flask. Anyway, if you made okay. me pick one of those, I would pick Afternoon Delight. But Comparative so, Religion from Community is also really good. I wanted to say that. There's two Community episodes I feel like are worthy in this uh, in this discussion. All right, Kevin. So I've got you to throw into the discussion that go in a different direction. And that's two in the um, adult animated section. Okay. And that's The Simpsons, Simpsons Roasting on an Open Fire, the first episode, where they get mm-hmm. Santa's Little Helper. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like that's a really good, a really solid Christmas special and also kind of a foundational TV moment. Mm-hmm. But the one that I actually like more is Futurama's Xmas story. Yeah. Futurama, I was going to say Futurama has a good Christmas funny. episode. And uh, I thought I was, gonna, I was hoping you'd say it. Cause it's a, I don't know the if I want to pick it, for, is too last, but like, um, yeah, it's so, it's so funny. Um, is it John Goodman who, too? Uh, yes. yes. And then the, the kid who's, uh, letter to santa claus is for a coffin for his grandma who got hit by his rocket launch bicycle that he got for christmas the previous year and, and they couldn't dispose of her like there's so many like hilariously dark moments because it starts off like your normal oh i have to find the perfect gift for my friend type thing and then you find out all the mess up stuff that happened and so we have uh we have the santa robot um I think it's quaint. Uh, the part I think it's quaint how he calls it Christmas instead of Xmas. 
Because everyone thing, in the future calls it Xmas. One thing, one thing I like about Futurama is that show had the ability to change gears between serious and heartfelt and just like outright insane so well compared oh, yeah. to most other shows. And I think that that episode's a good example of it. All right, Eric, make us respect the classics. Because <laughs> I know you got some. You know, I do have some classics, but I'll, I do want to throw in one animation. Uh, Christmas in the Car, Bob's Burgers. Bobcat Goldthwait as a, uh, a, a truck driver uh, who's driving a giant candy cane and he's shorter <laughs> than Bob and he he gets out of the car that it's basically road rage and he's like I'm gonna fight you come on I, 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 I'm gonna bang your ass and then Bob's like you're gonna bang my ass it's the fact <laughs> that, they got, that they got away with that on uh, just regular network television well, oh, regular maybe Maybe the world isn't such a bad place. Uh, <laughs> as for more classics, uh, you know what? I'm gonna. I'm just gonna give you some old stuff here. Uh, Happy Days Christmas, the one episode uh, where it, you know, it's Fonzie. Life one? Uh, no, it's the one where Fonzie doesn't have a family, and he's trying oh. to catch this bus to Waukesha. I gotta, hey, Mister C, I gotta catch the bus to Waukesha and meet my family. And uh, as as Fonzie says. Uh, they get hip to his idea that he doesn't have a family, so they make him spend Christmas with the Cunninghams. That's good. Um, I'm going to just say it on the air and uh, at me all you want. Fire me from the podcast on Hulu. Uh, Perfect Strangers Christmas episodes. Dear Lord, I got to say. <laughs> yes. those, those are good. Those are fine. Those I are just fine. And uh, beyond that, I guess if you guys want me to choose between yours, I'm happy to do that because uh, the X Files. Thing I want to mention the X Files, how the ghost stole Christmas. That's a good one. Uh, <laughs> wow. I do have one more to mention too. It's and always is... Sunny's very sunny Christmas episode where, like, they find Ooh. out like, where Mac finds out that his parents were uh, stealing the presents, and Charlie <laughs> finds out that his yeah. yeah his mom was doing sex favors to with to Santa to get the presents. Uh, I like uh, um, God, that's, uh, it's I, dark, but it's funny. Uh, I'm also partial to uh, uh, the Married with Children Christmas special where Sam Kinison plays um, Al Bundy's guardian angel. Like the wonderful, and, it's a wonderful life of that. Wonderful yes. life, and then he figures out that his reason for continuing to live is to make his family as miserable as they make him. Yeah. What about Seinfeld? <laughs> the the strike. What yeah, you don't that? really think about that. There's a Seinfeld Christmas episode. Oh yeah, because it's because it's a Festivus episode. It's not a uh -huh. Christmas episode. Uh, but, but, uh, that episode is, that episode's good. Like that episode is, and it, it really crossed, uh, over like, uh, culturally, like it's definitely, yeah, uh, this is still a thing. People still talk about it, reference yeah, it. Do. Um, okay. That's about it. I think that I've mentioned basically everything. Oh, fresh off the boat has a really good Christmas episode. I know that no one's going to pick this, but if you're not, if you have not watched that show, it's really funny, much funnier than, uh, than I think has any right to be. And uh, you should watch Fresh Off the Boat and their Christmas episode specifically is really good. All right, uh, Eric, yeah, you can go ahead and pick. What, what, or tell us tell us what you're favoring right now and then maybe we can come to I got to I got to say, it's between X-Men Story and 30 Rock, but here's my thing. I think I like two other 30 Rock episodes more or equally to Luda Christmas. I'm, I'm a Secret Santa fan when... You know the zero dollar Christmas present that Liz and Jack do for each other. That's I feel like that's really clever writing. And also when Jack's mom comes to visit and uh, Liz's parents come to visit all at the same time, and um, she's standing she's standing in front of a in, in front of a gag that they have for their show, and the it's like a fake game show called Who Farted, and her parents go, "Oh my God, they are putting this." Together off words you wrote. And then it pans behind her and she's bowing in front of the sign that says who farted. I just think that's really funny writing. Uh man, if you're asking me between Futurama and 30 Rock, ugh. I will say uh non-child animation is a genre we have not covered. I, I think that uh, if you made me stump for one right here, I would stump for Arrested Development Afternoon Delight, but I don't I don't really care. You know, since Kevin since Kevin has seen that, we'll put it in there. Let's go for it. Okay. All right. Fine. Whatever. It's so it's Afternoon Delight. For Kevin, for Eric, we'll see you next week. Go Hawks.